Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You know Smith Rowe's six foot? Fuck off. Smith Rowe's six foot? Fuck off. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Smith Podcast with uh, a no, light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Lovely. Lovely from the pair of us. We've been... Yeah. I've been singing today. Oh, do you know what I actually have? <laughs> oh, really? That's nice. Yeah. Singing, singing some, We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. It's not true, is it? But there's no room for nuance in football chance, is there? Oh, God, no. I enjoyed the one last We're night. We're by far uh, the eighth best team in the Premier League. Yeah, let's catch you. I enjoyed the one last night about um, Emmy Martinez. The you're just a shit. Aaron just a shit, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, or, there um, are some Aaron really Ramsdale. He's better than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's better than you. <laughs> When's the Emmy Martinez interview coming out? Oh, I give it a week. I'll give it a week before yeah. there's comments in Sky Sports from him. My uh, my tweet of the day was uh, someone posted a picture of Emmy Martinez face down after Bamiyang scored the penalty. And it was captioned, uh, come on, Emmy, we've got a game to play. And it said, no, the grass reminds me of it. I was a someone once. I was a someone. <laughs> yeah. I used to be here. I, <laughs> I was, was number a starter one here. here. I was a number imagine one. Being, imagine being Emmy Martinez and fucking up so badly. Like, he's gone was, to a tin pot club. I mean, it was a good save. He could have been a starter for Arsenal. He could have been. A, he would have been. If he'd have yeah, stayed, he would have been a starter. He yep. would have been our goalkeeper yep. at one of the, you know the most dec- the third biggest the third biggest club in the country the third most decorated club in the country yeah uh, we wouldn't have had to have spent twenty five million on a keeper but I prefer the keeper we've got and he can get fucked so Aaron Ramsdale has won the Emmy Leno debates you know it's he it's actually fucking has and that's mental. I, uh, isn't it a nice example of how sometimes things work out for the best? And I'm not yeah. going to praise Arsenal for that because I'm not sure they knew that. But <laughs> but it is a God good example, no, especially with the price, especially with the price we sold fucking Martinez for. Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're well. Um, good game last night. Good bloody game. We're recording on the Saturday yeah. evening. I really enjoyed it. And can I off the bat? I'm going to go with my word of the game. Yes. Uh, commitment i cried last night i cried watching it i did i was a pint and a half in but i cried and oh i'm i'm, I'm cool to admit that on the podcast that's that's, that's weak it's oh, weak right. and 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 associated with femininity um, which is and bad feeble, yeah and feeble and naughty wrong. naughty <laughs> and <therefore>. naughty <laughs> yeah 
Um, I'll tell you what, mate. I think one of the things that I really, I really value in life is I'm on a spinny chair, which is really, oh, it's like a really, it's really changing the game. Your voice is just going to be going like, you know, it's really changing the game the way. Because you've got to understand that the, <laughs> it's really sort of relaxing. I'm, I'm going to do a sort of Zen podcast. The thing, uh, um, a value I really, I really value is, um, is commitment in life. I think it's a really good thing. And I think you can, there can be a kind of toxic level of commitment where you just like, yeah, I will do anything to, to achieve this thing and nothing will stand in my way. It's like, well, actually sometimes giving up is a good thing, but on a football pitch, as I've said so many fucking times on this podcast, and I'm sorry for, to keep saying it. You, you can be, you can be for free the team working the hardest and you can be the fittest team and you can be a team who puts in a hundred percent. And that, and like, that is all, all you can ask. Um, and I, I, I saw that from the team yesterday, winning the duels mm. h- high up the pitch, progressing the ball, aggressive interceptions, blocks, clearances, c- mm-hmm. commitment, mm-hmm. like other football related words. And I can't remember what the moment was, but I just, I felt as though the, Oh, that's what oh, I remember now. The, the, I felt as though the the commitment level had gone through the roof and like we had a point to prove. Mate, when we came out and we lined up, we looked like a fucking team. We've, we looked like a fucking team. And look, that's not to say we're perfect on the pitch. That's not to say everything's sorted. That's not to say we're going to win the league next season or we're on a, a perfect straight path to glory. We're not. We're not going to have games like this every single game. It's not going to happen. But what we did oh. have and what I do see... And maybe it's the bloody lovely new tunnel, <laughs> but it's there's a feeling of of a, a togetherness and a collectiveness. And the moment that set me off, mate, I'll tell you what it was. It was Gabrielle um, watching. No, not watching the the penalty. There was a moment where Gabrielle did a clearance or something, um, and he just like screamed in passion. It wasn't even at anyone. He just screamed because he fucking got it right, and he loves defending. He just like cleared it or something. It was a really stupid moment, but he just like cleared it or I don't know if anyone else remembers this moment or got in the way of something and did a good bit of defending, cleared it out and just like went like, fuck yeah. And I was like, oh mate, that is what we've been missing. That kind of commitment to the cause, the representation of the fans on the pitch for too long. We've had yeah one or two pieces of that jigsaw. We've had a pair of We've, we've, we've had, had a Perma, a Saka, and, and an Arteta. And people lead in different ways, of course. But we've had a Perma, a Saka, and an Arteta, and then a bunch of time wasters. Or we've had a, um, a, a Robin Van Persie, a kind of technical leader, and a team that don't quite fit the billing otherwise. I feel now, in terms of the characters that we have, that transmits onto the pitch, and the commitment we saw last night, and it comes into the tactics, was everything. Fair enough. But I am to I, clarify, I weak and feeble. <laughs> no, I I think there's that. The thing is, is I can't disagree with what you're saying. Um, and and also, sorry to add one more thing. This is the this is the sort of game we usually bottle. Friday night under the lights, tricky team, well coached. Um, this is the sort of, you know Gary and Jamie just done loads of loads of sort of where are Arsenal you know like all of that stuff. This is the type of game we usually bottle, and we didn't, and it makes me so happy. Yeah, mate, and it's it's a brilliant feeling, and I think I think like you say, there is there is a lot of character and leadership within this team, and I think so often what we've been criticised for by pundits, by other people alike, is not having leaders, like not having a captain. And you know, I think back to 
than Mikel Arteta wearing the armband days. And sometimes he wasn't on the pitch because as a player coming to the end of his career, he wasn't at the level required, but was still the captain. Whereas now I look at that team and whereas last year I was going, Tierney needs to be the captain. He's a shoo-in for the captaincy. If he is not the captain, there is something wrong. I look at that team and I think, Gabriel could be the captain. Ben White could be the captain. Aaron Ramsdale could be the captain. Tierney could be the captain. Because all of those players are Tommy vocal Asu. willing. Tommy Asu. All of these players are all vocal willing um, to to and to get at each other as well. Like... One thing that I think is great from from just our boy is the fact that whenever something goes wrong, he fucking reams them out. He will scream at them. And that's what you need. Sometimes you need that from the keeper to wake his defense up. And Mm -hmm. it's... We're not there yet in terms of of like quality and like technical quality. And I think that will be added in certain positions. But we've gone from having kind of one of these characters or two of these characters to now having five or six. And now we just need to add the kind of technical security and quality on top in certain places. And there is a real room to grow. I I watched the game at work last night. I watched the whole 90 minutes. Um, Hold on. But I was chatting to some some lads about the the game because they obviously saw I was watching it and whatever and they were talking about Arsenal and they and they said and uh, and they said where do you think you'll finish and I said well if you guaranteed me a good coach in charge making good decisions for the season sixth is achievable with this squad and they went oh nah it's definitely not you're going to be ninth or tenth or you know you'd be lucky to get top ten and one, the delusion of football fans who obviously just watch one game a week or one game that their team plays every two weeks. But two, like, it, it just isn't, like, it, it just isn't representative, representative of how much this team seems to want it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a hangover from, from a perception of Arsenal from a while ago. And we, we've got to wait for that to change. Those perceptions don't mm-hmm. change overnight. It's like a school. No. Like, you know, you know, like you have like your local comprehensive or whatever. It's got a bit of a reputation. Even if five, 10 years down the line, it's not like that anymore. People still go, oh, don't go there, mate. Like these yeah. things take a long time to, to, to get into the psyche. And, and if you only listen mm-hmm. to you know your, your football daily podcast, you know every so often and watch a, watch your watch your own team, you, you're not going to know that, and that's that's sort of fine. I think I think this um, on a sort of microcosmic level comes on to Gabriel. I think huge claim, huge claim. I think Gabriel will be in the Maguire, Stones sort of category below maybe Diaz and Van Dijk conversations by the end of this season and what needs to happen for that for that to happen if not by the end of this season by the end of next season or kind of around that time because he is still young and has had a few injuries like i wouldn't be surprised and this is you know touch wood it doesn't it doesn't happen if in our next game if he plays he picks up a knock and is out for a month because we've we've had that luck so i'd I'd say within the next few seasons if things go right with injury and whatever that is that is an easy possibility you know you've just got to look at what he's doing statistically to see how well he matches up to those people 
Yeah, and the reason I mention him is is because he is the sort of person that I think this this perfectly applies to. Because ultimately, people think, oh, Arsenal's defence, oh, they're fucking shocking because they've been watching David Luiz and whatever for the last five, six years. So we, they, he's got that perception to turn around. What he's got to do is he's got to go and have that type of game that he had last night against every single team in the league twice this season. And then he might be put into conversations. Do you know what I mean? Like that's That's what he's got to do. And I think this team is more than capable of that. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have games, you know, like the like the Brentford game. Um, in terms of you know results and disappointing results in the Palace game, and and you know not perform at certain points. But I think the as we say that the the leadership uh, in in many different ways, technically, vocally, physically, you know, there's so many different types of leaders as well, which is is a real is a real is a real lesson for us. What's your word of the game, mate? Um, my word of the game you didn't have one. is, uh, no, I had one when you said yours and it's gone out of my head because it came to me. I was like, oh, this is it. Um, revitalizing this for me, this game. And before I explain what I mean in terms of the performance for me is a, is a very little revitalization of my confidence in this team. I'm still nowhere near brought back around me and Alex had a conversation kind of during the week about how I believe that with what I've seen so far and what I am seeing, Mikel Arteta isn't up to the standard and isn't up to the job. Um, But this gave me a little bit of confidence, a teeny bit of confidence back in this side because so often what we have seen is Arsenal in the last two years under Mikel Arteta, play slow, boring football that relies sometimes so heavily on random long shots, slapping 85 crosses in and hoping one falls to someone's feet or needing a moment of genius from a Pepe, from an Abamyang, from a Saka. And so often I've said about this team, as soon as we score one, all I do is pray for a clean sheet because I have no faith we, we score a second. I didn't feel like that last night. Whilst I don't think we dominated in the way that people talk, I, don't, I think we, we, well, we did. We dominated the game. I think a few people took it too far as if we like dominated them like an 8-2 or whatever. <laughs> the fucking United 8-2 yeah, yeah. we were on the back end of. You know, I think a few people took it a bit... We, but we did. We dominated the game. We were in control and we peppered them. And whilst our XG will definitely be helped out by the fact that Aubameyang misses the penalty and then it basically has an open goal tap in, it's really important to note that we are starting to create different opportunities and different kind of clear-cut opportunities. Mm. It, this game wasn't just crosses and hope for the best mm. or horseshoe football and hope somebody picks it up, goes on a 40-yard run and, and hits it top corner. It was well-worked bits of, of movement and play and the spaces were nice. And and then the third goal, you know, we transitioned well. It was three... And obviously, the you know, the second goal was a penalty, but to get that opportunity... It was three different types of opportunities, you know, a set piece and then quick, fast play and, you know, just clever interchanges. 
And the introduction of, of Lacazette back into the starting lineup was great. And after the hammering that I gave Mikel Arteta uh, for the Palace game, I think that he deserves some credit for tonight because he made some big decisions and those decisions paid off. You know, Erdegaard dropped to the bench, whether that's because of injury, because, you know, it came out after that, that he'd been struggling with the bruised shin. I don't know how much of that is just asset protection and management. You don't want him to come under flack as being a, a flop signing that's been dropped to the bench because fans are ridiculous. So I could easily imagine that piece of news being leaked out just to cover someone. But I, I think he got a lot right. I really do. Um, it's just so important. And I'm, I temper my expectations with this because this is one game. It's now important that we see this this type of play every game. Whether we execute it to the same level and whether we execute the moves to the same level, but we have to play this way every mm. game. Yeah, and it's and about developing that consistency. It again highlights how, how unacceptable some performances has been. Yeah, for sure. When we can do this, when we can see that we can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's go on to the game properly. Um and most importantly, Brad, I think we need a new badge. Um, I don't like the blue on the badge. I don't like the font. I reckon it looks a bit 2000s. And I looked it up and we were overdue an update. because so we had one basically every 20 years or on average. And, but, and the last few have been like every sort of three, four years. So we're overdue an update. I, I reckon we need a new badge, a new like modern sleek badge. Update it, get, you know, get the branding The thing going. is though, all of the people that recently have redone their badges. They're all fucking horrible. And I do not have any faith in Arsenal Football Club to, to create a nice badge. I, I, I don't agree. I, quite, like, I, I remember like the massive like outrage of the Juventus. Well, I quite like it. I think it, I think I think people just hate change, don't they? They're just any any honestly, if we put a new badge out and it's the best thing we've ever done, like it's better we we've created a better product than Bukayo Saka. People will still hate it because it's it's just not what they're used to. Um, and oh, also, hundred percent. I, I would like to see us return to kind of uh, what our older style of of badges. Because uh, I, you know, I, I I'm, I'm I've got them up now, but I'm looking at kind of the one from like 1996 to 2001 or 1994 to 1996, and those two I quite like because I think it. Arsenal, we're a very traditional club. We hold traditional values, and while at the moment I don't believe that the owners have performed maybe to to kind of those traditional values of things. Um, I'd like to see kind of a step back towards that. And yeah, yeah, just, just a lovely, really great, just a lovely shield with a, with a gold cannon and the red, just keep it simple. No blue, none of this, you need to make a decision on the sans serif or serif because it's sort of halfway in between. Come on. Uh, that's the most important bit of analysis of the day, Brad. Um, I also mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to uh, set off this conversation. I just want to say it. Uh, no conversation about Pepe not starting, which is interesting. Just it's just interesting to note that there is not there is not a sometimes an absence of conversation that you know Pepe's not starting. I I honestly think Pepe is now a, a sub. I I really oh, absolutely oh, for me as well. I just think that that's um I think that that's that's obvious. You know, yeah. it was obvious that he he would he should only start and should only have started. Sorry, if Saka couldn't, 
Yeah. I think that's it now. I think yeah. his Arsenal career is done and should be looked to be moved on at the nearest opportunity. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it's, and it's a shame, but like he just doesn't, he doesn't It's also offer, not like... Well, it is a shame because he, we spent so much money on him and he had so much, he's shown flashes. But, you know, when you're, when you're being, when you're being outplayed on the right by a 20 year old and being outplayed on the left by a 21 year old, it's like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you, it's your, it's your I move, I think man. it's also that, it's also that, it's it's also a difficulty in that Nicola Pepe is a very good player that with a different manager with a different system would excel. Yeah, probably. He just doesn't fit what we need, and that's fine. So that's I think that's why I don't see it as a shame and why I don't really care because I, I as much as it's a, it's a shame because we'll lose money. Our owner's a billionaire. We're one of the like we make a shitload of money as a club. Seventy two million pounds to Arsenal Football Club is nothing. Like it's it's it's, it's a drop in the ocean. Um, I don't know if it is, mate. Not not in our transfer budget. No, but it's our record signing budget. It's not a of drop in the yeah. ocean. No, but it's a drop in the ocean of the worth of the club and the worth of the owners. But that's not in, how you get a transfer budget. You're not given. You're not just. Gi- you're not, not given eight billion to spend. <laughs> well, fucking some clubs are. Look at City for Christ's sake. But I think you know it's it it has just been something that hasn't worked out because he has always been under managers that do not need that type of player, and that it's a shame. Mate, is it a shame? I'm like, it just hasn't worked out. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes good players come to good clubs and it just doesn't work, and that is fine. Yeah, no, I, I do, I I do agree with that. I also think he is a bit of a price tag player, like. 50 million pounds oh, God, 50 yeah. million pound Torres 72 million pound Nicholas but it's like it, that's his full name <laughs> Mr 72 million dot n, n dot Pepe like it's you know mm, Pepe it, it's yeah it it, it it has weighed on him I I believe or maybe maybe it hasn't and it's just a perception and it's going to weigh on Sancho how long is it going to be before we start talking about Sancho no goals no assists yeah in 10 Barely, like can't get off the bench. I do. I do think it's a. I do think it's a shame, but I don't think. I don't think it's something we'd repeat. Like I, I, I now trust the recruitment policy to the point where I don't. I don't. I think we I just. Don't... I think we have repeated it. How? Ben White is a repeat of Nicola Pepe. No chance. Yes, he is. At we pick, Brad, no, no, no. As in, look no, no, how no, he played in, last night. No, 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 I'm no, 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 having, no. I'm not having sh- that at all. Be quiet and let me explain what I mean. <laughs> All right, like, Dad. Sorry. If, yeah. So, as in, if you like, just listen. I don't mean an outcome. Listen, boy. <laughs> listen, boy. I don't mean an outcome. Ben White has obviously worked and is obviously a good player. But Ben White, and this is what I said in the last episode, Arsenal are are the same beast, just with new faces some of the time. Ben White was our top target. We said we're only going to settle for our top target, and we've paid over the odds for our top target. And it was the same with Nicola Pepe. That is exactly what happened with Nicola Pepe. He was our top target that summer. We weren't going to sign anyone else. We pushed for him and we spent £72 million on him. All The only difference in, in strategy is the outcome. Ben White is doing the business for Arsenal. Do yeah, you see what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So therefore we haven't repeated it. No, but we have repeated the process. It's just the outcome is different. But but we've repeated those people. Those people pay over for the for the for the over the odds for for players. I mean, the the yeah, point is, you want to get Alex. But, but Alex, players. what are we talking about? Oh, no, of course. But Nicola Pepe is a good player. He's not a bad player. Look at his record in Liga. Like that. That's professional football in France. Like, like he's not a bad player. 
he hasn't worked out here. I could easily imagine he goes to another Premier League club and performs at a phenomenal level. Yeah, definitely. If a club plays to his strengths. And here's, I think this is what I'm saying that like, it is the same process, just a different outcome. Like we have gone, this is the top target. We'll pay whatever it takes. And instead of being smart and maybe going, oh, well, we could use the money elsewhere. We've gone, there's another 50 million quid. We'll have Ben White. It's worked out and he's a good player, but it is the same process. It's the same strategy. We've not tried anything different other than he's the one we want. We're going to spend 15 million over what he's worth just so we can have him. I I know what you mean, but I think there's a huge difference between the two because the, the point I was trying to make is the reason we're not going to repeat it is Pepe was bought without, I don't think, with a particular vision in mind. I mean, Unai Emery asked for Zaha, do you know what I mean? So That I, that I would agree with. Yeah, that, and that's the point I'm trying to make in, in that okay. we, we, we've repeated... I guess we've repeated the process of overpaying for a player, but I don't think we're going to repeat the process of overpaying for a player that completely doesn't fit our system. I think we've now sorted that yeah. out and we've got, a, we've got a situation whereby... I mean, we didn't have a system with Emery, to be honest, so... Yeah, it was just... <laughs> yeah, Inshallah. Um, but, but with Ben White, I feel, I feel at the moment, I mean, obviously, you know, the future may, may bring something different, but I feel as though he's performing at a really good level and he's exactly what we need. If you look at what we bought in, in terms of the, the profiles, Partey, ball progressor, Ben White, ball progressor, Tommy Asu, very good on the ball. They're, these are technical, technical Sambi, very, very good player, like technical players. The only guy who probably just falls below that technical level is Tavares, but has, he has a very good physical profile and I think is was always going to be a backup. So I think, and is working on the technical side of his game and he's still young. So I think the technical level is going to be very different. Pepe's first touch simply isn't good enough and, and Arteta wouldn't have bought him. It shows by the fact that he's not playing him. He doesn't like him. I think what we've, what we've corrected is the is the um the the idea that we'd spend so much money on something that not to say it won't work out but won't fit the system do you know what i mean like i don't think we'd buy yeah. another player that was so unlike the style that we want we actually want to do do you remember about 10 minutes ago when i said we shouldn't have a conversation about nicholas pepper <laughs> yeah sorry let's, let's um, fucking move on <laughs> uh hey new kickoff there was no there was no that there was no bash to the left wing do you notice that? Well, again, maybe to not talk about Nicola Pepe, it's because of who the personnel that were out on the pitch. There's no point bashing the ball to the left wing or to the right wing when you've got Saka and Smith Rowe, neither of which are particularly prolific in the air. Yeah, we've done it without Pepe though. Anyway. Um yeah, set up. Nice sort of four four two at points, or I mean, you know, I, I think stating the numbers is kind of pointless. The in terms of the roles, Sambi and and party were much closer together, which fixed the issue from Palace for me. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. Lacazette had a fucking fantastic game in taking up those zones. Part of the problem in taking Odegaard out of that sort of just just behind zone fourteen, just in just in it, is is the is the lack of well, it's the lack of having someone there, but also Odegaard in that spot when he is there doesn't provide the kind of physical dominance that Lacazette does. So much of his work was dropping back and coming from behind and getting the ball back and nicking the ball off people. Lacazette is so limited. He's such a limited player, like sort of physically and in terms of his agility. But what he does do is he works fucking hard and he does try and he's he's strong. He's a strong player and we, we really lack that. Get it? Um... I think I think I said to you last night. Don't laugh at that; it's too stupid. Um, 
uh, I think I said to you last night, whoever we buy needs to have a bit of that. But I thought the... the so it needs to, to be to both replace, profiles. Yeah, to replace... And it's going to it's gonna have to be but, someone elite because it is going to have to be somebody that is the full package, somebody that can drop deep, do the dirty work, and somebody that can do the finishing and running in behind that Aubameyang does. It, it has to be somebody who can do both because this system is so reliant on that. And yeah, we've seen we, need, that. we need someone in that zone. I also thought yesterday we did really well in terms of finding ways to get the ball forward. For so long under Arteta, we've seen the horseshoe and we've seen the slow, turgid, yeah, literally like sort of pendulum going around the going around the pitch. I'm just seeing Bellerin with his little tight hips, like whacking the ball into Mustafi. Like the, the for so long we've seen that, but now we've found so many different ways to get the ball forward. Ramsdale's excellent passes into midfield. Oh, ben White progressing oh. the ball. Ben White spraying balls. Tommy Asu. No, Asu's sorry. Swi- shut up. Shut up about Ben White. Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> oh, baby. Hey, do you want a stat? Uh, Ramsdale's yeah. distrib- distribution last night. All twelve of his open play passes resulted in unpressurized AFC possession. Um. Other ways, Smith Rowe on the ball, uh, Partey breaking the lines, uh, win the, winning the second balls. So many ways of getting the ball forward that we found last night that I was so impressed. More pressing with. as well. And we pressed harder. Yeah, there was a stat out during the week saying that we're like equal to like Norwich and Watford on uh, PPDA, pressing. which is uh, I think is pressures per defensive action. And yeah, you, look. I think the, the the tweets summed it up perfectly. Look, pressing isn't everything, but when you're in the statistic model and you're next to Watford and Norwich, <laughs> you've got That's a problem. You've got, you've got a problem. Um, yeah, I, I thought there was some some excellent, uh, just simple corrections. And we, what I loved is in the midfield, I, I almost saw like a a W or have you know sort of a zigzag formation which people could play off each other uh, the triangles were really nice and appearing all over the pitch it was lovely uh, Tavares was in for Tierney Nuno Tavares run further than any other player in the game against Aston Villa do you notice this? I, I alternate between Tavares and Tavares because I think if I say Tavares every time I'm a wanker but if I always say Tavares I sound like a wanker as well so I'm just gonna yeah maybe I'll just call him Nuno uh, Nuno yeah, ran far- I think far- be <laughs> further than just Nuno any at noons, uh, other player in the game against Aston Villa, eleven point seven three kilometers, and also posted the fastest speed at thirty four point seven kilometers. Um, his two footedness is great. Tommy Asu's two footedness is great. I just felt we we looked fluid and up for it. And as I said in the intro, like that was the that was the main thing really. We just looked up for it in those early. Oh, and and also to mention, Smith Rowe had ten progressive carries. Um, and Jamie Carragher in the post match talks about Smith Rowe and said he thinks he's he thinks he's the best ball carrier in the Premier League, which um, I can't. Which is an unbelievable compliment. Yeah, it's it's in, especially from someone who knows the game like Jamie. Like he's a he's a really smart guy. Like and also. I think people sort of hear that sort of stuff and they go, "Oh, no, he can't be." It's like, well, name a better guy running with the ball in the league and it's like you I don't think you can like in those zones getting the ball forward I, I can't think of another player Foden maybe that's not really his game so yeah or maybe he just has a sort of different superpowers but I just yeah fucking Smith Rowe is sensational um, we always start well and we often fade we often fade and I think the biggest thing for me in this game is that we didn't and we got the goal that we deserved I think I would, before the party goal when he hit, you know, when he hit the uh, the woodwork, 
I was oh, like, I was yeah. like, oh. I was like, it's gonna be one of those days, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did you see the? You. Yeah, did you see the? Oh, the tweet from Eddie Eddie Longbridge. Where he's like, party he is not boring yeah. tonight. Gonna yeah. try this. Just trying something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We hit hit the bar. I was just like, oh fucking hell! It's gonna be one of those games where we start really well. We hit the bar a couple a couple of times. Someone misses a big chance, and then we we concede a scrappy goal. Um, but we got the goal. It was a great, great delivery um, and great for Partey to get his first goal for Arsenal. Um, and how many front post headers did he win that night? Like, Yeah, at least three or four. Mental. Uh, when he scored, Arteta hugged uh, Nikola Jova, who, if you don't know, is the Arsenal set-piece coach. So I think it's something they've been working on. Um, oh. Or, well, maybe he just scored from a set-piece. He was happy. But but I, I imagine, considering it was a consistent theme, it's something, you know, party getting from in behind the, the defender. And that's another thing we've had to added to this team. Something you alluded to in one of your points recently was around um, finding different ways to score. And yeah. like this team, as Arsenal fans, I think we're drawn to the Rositskis, the Smith Rose, the Kazolas, the guys with the, with the unbelievable technical level and the guys who can nip in and out of pockets and, you know, draw the eye basically. But actually, fuck it. Let's just be a, let's be a big team as well. Let's be a team that wins penalties, wins free kicks, gets corners in, fucking scores late headers. Like I don't care. Get it in the net. And if we can do that and we can develop, you know, really good free kick takers, if we can have a Trent in our team, you know, or someone of the equivalent. Every Premier League team that's ever won the Premier League has different ways of scoring goals because that's what you need. And, and you know, we had a, a big old conversation about it in that, for me, you always need to play the same way in that, for, just to, to make this like the easiest way I can explain it. If we're going to be a ridiculously high pressing side and all we're going to do is press, then what we need to do is buy players and the first priority is that they can press. The second priority is to then buy different specialities, buy players who can do different things. You need an Erdegaard who can unpick sitting defences. You need a Smithrow who can pick the ball up in like deep in that left channel and just carry the ball forward. You need a Lacazette who can drop deep and facilitate playing and a Bamiyang who can run in behind. You need lots of different kind of, especially in that, in that top half of the pitch, in that, that final third of the pitch, you need so much different differentiality. Yeah. The, no, I, well, it, yeah it, 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 it kind of then gives you so many options and so often and especially coming to the end of the Wenger era we were just one team and that was the team that knocks it about and tries to pass it into the net and if you look at when we were at our most successful we could do lots of different things we scored lots of different types of goals and every Premier League team that's ever won the Premier League has got that you think of Liverpool Mo Salah can pick it up drive for 15 yards and then smack it top bins or Firmino can drop deep and play a beautiful ball in or fucking Alisson can come up for a corner and score a header. <laughs> yeah. Kate is taking... adding volleys to his game. Like, yeah, it's, do, there's do you lots see what of I mean? ways like, to score. It's so, so, so important to add that dimension to just your squad. Definitely. That, to see that we're working on that 
And because we have such a big profile in, you know, Gabrielle being 6'3", and mm-hmm. Tommy Asu also being quite tall, Party's obviously quite imposing. All three that's recent a, additions, I think that's something we've identified. Yeah, and I think that the next centre-forward that we buy will probably be... Um, Isaac or something, like a 6'2", 6'3", player. Six, yeah, at least 6'. Well, or Ivan Tony, for example, who's, I think, 5'10", but is the fucking tallest 5'10 man I've ever seen. Like Luke Shaw's 6'1", and is the shortest 6'1 man I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mental, isn't it? How that you know, somehow Smith fucking Rose six works. foot. Fuck off. Smith Rowe's six foot. Fuck off. Honestly, before I found that out, I thought it was like five seven. You're lying. No, he's six foot, mate. What do we used to say? He's a short. He's a short six foot, or he's a tall five foot nine. Um, yeah, he's six foot. Five eleven and a half. Ah, come on. According, if you're, according if to you're on, ref. If you're on Tinder, you're saying six foot. <laughs> just just wear some shoes. Um, just wear some shoes. I think um, I I was interested in how we'd respond post the goal because I think... You're right, mate. Uh, because, <laughs> it just uh, made me laugh. Just because made me laugh. we do Sorry. tend to kind of bottle it post, post score. I'm doing my, um, doing my thing where I... Roll around. Twist around. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I was thinking post the goal, wondering what we'd do about this. Um, uh, and the transition, we were doing, uh, we, we picked it up. We were doing well on the transition. We had the save from Saka. I think you can tell when a team's losing control of the game because Villa were trying to kick us out of it, getting lots and lots of yellow cards. Um, and something I do want to pick up on, uh, I don't, there was a lot of long shots, a lot of long shots. I think we had the most shots we've ever had in a Premier League half under Arteta. And he was applauding them. Every time it cut to him, he was applauding the long shot, even when they were fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly an instruction. I don't... I know we just talked about like trying to you know win games in different ways and score different types of goals. I think the long shot has to be the least high XG. So it feels a bit of a weird instruction. I, I, I don't know why I think it's also that. a long shot could lead to... If it's the only option on, fair enough. And it, if it, it just might not, it might lead to another opportunity. Like if it gets yeah, blocked it, it and could, then yeah, trickles through, good, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It, it, if there's nothing else on, have a pop because even if you don't score, if it gets deflected out for a corner, mm. you know, it keeps you up in that zone. Mm. But and on the yellow card thing, what five of their players got, yeah, I think they were. I thought for me, Pawson had an appalling game. An appalling game. Was, last come night. on, Brad. Come on. There's a there's a there's a metaphor, not a metaphor. There's a there's a pun there. Come there's on, there's a joke it. in there. Uh, and f- like they, I think Villa were very lucky not to get a player sent off. Very lucky because there were so many just cynical fouls that I was like, come on, when when is it coming? And then Arsenal players would do the littlest of things. Pa- Craig Pawson hates Arsenal. I'm convinced. He was the one who he's sent David uh, off. He's the one who said I know, that I know, and the then the fucking horse. was like high fiving Jean Moutinho. Do you know why I know that? Because I I labelled oh. our episode title "Craig, your poor son." I <laughs> 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 uh, uh, you said something just now. That, oh yeah, uh, the the long shot thing. It kind of reminds me. It might be uh, there's a possible solution to my question. When Ben White's on the ball, I notice people drop off significantly. Because they, if they press him, he's likely to get past them. If they allow him too much space, 
he's going to pick a nice pass. So they've got to basically block the channels. I think that's what people do. And I think with a long shot, what it does is if you think someone's got a long shot in them, you're 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 stuck between. Well, because if it's always going to go out wide, if you always pick it up and shuttle it out wide, there's no point pressing you. But if you've got a long shot, you might get someone to go, oh, think, oh, okay, I need to press this guy, and then some space opens up. Do you know what I mean? I think having yeah. someone on the ball who you know can do anything, it's like having Messi on the ball. It's like, well, he could do literally anything. <laughs> so I, I can't, I don't know how to defend it. If you have Pepe on the ball, you know what he's trying to do. And, you know, you do have players like, you know, Iron Robin who become just so good at that one thing that you can't really stop it. You can't stop it anyway. But actually... I do think I do think there's a, there's a sort of a parallel there. Uh, penalty, clumsy challenge. It's a definite penalty. Yeah, it's a pen. There's no, there's Connects no with Lacazette before touching the ball. Yep, good, really good save. Um, the fucking mind games. Why? Why? Aston Villa are a bit of a wanky team, mate. They're f- yeah, fucking Ty- Tyrone Mings, spit your bloody chewing gum out, mate. What's Mate, wrong with you? Tyro Mings is such a bad footballer. He is the epitome of just vibes. Also, why are they can't, all called... Can't defend. Mings, Ings, Watkins, McGinn. They're all got the same name. Yeah. Um, Russell Brand pointed out that if you if you put a couple of them together, like Target and Cash and Mings and Ings, they sound like sort of like double acts from the 70s. Like comedy double acts. It's Tonight, it's... Rocket Target and Matty Cash. <laughs> uh, yeah, Villa changed the system for the second half, which was good. Uh, had more mm-hmm. bodies in the midfield, a bit more energy. Um, I thought Sambi had a great game. Yeah. Um, on the yeah, turn. I mean, if you if you kind of look at his game by numbers as well, that's borne out an 85% completion rate, two key passes, three shots, one on target, 57 touches. Uh, offensively again, uh, dribbled once and was fouled. Was dispossessed three times, but passing stats, one accurate long ball, one through ball. Defensively is where he kind of, his game falls down a bit, but he, yeah, a, a, a good game by the numbers and by the eye test, which is always promising. Yep. And when he came off, party switches slightly further forward. So they obviously prefer... Um, Sambi slightly further up, so that's that's fair, and they're off on the slant. Um, Ramsdale, I mean, what can you say? It's he's just unbelievable. We've already discussed him a little bit, but like his quick thinking, he always seems to get it right. Like it, 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 he's he he has added a completely different dimension to this team, and has shown us what such small differences in technical level can bring us. Mm. It's yeah. like it's like the difference between Coquelin and Cazorla. Like Coquelin was fine. He was a fine player. He was okay. He could he could shuttle, he could recycle possession, he had a decent pass on him. He was fine. But Cazorla, when you just up that technical level by well for in Cazorla's case about 50 times, you just get a whole different di- dimension and dynamic to a team and to a game where, you know, Cazorla, tiny guy, um not quick, not not particularly, you know, not flash in his skills, but so technically secure that you know every pass is going to go to the right place. He's going to be able to get out of trouble. And Ramsdale's like that, mate. He, you, you, I now I've got that feeling. I think we mentioned it when he first came. I've now got that feeling of when he gets the ball, I'm not, I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. And I think the mistake is coming. By the way, that we talked about, there will be like a, a pretty clinical error. But I think he's oh, got. The, we saw it, mate. He made one against against Palace. Which one? Second goal. 
Yeah, but I, I mean like I mean like proper like Leno. I mean that's a ha- that was a- what I mean. Wait, no, I, no, no. Are you talking? To- yeah, I'm get. I think I'm getting confused. I don't. I I can't remember the one up against Palace. I mean, like passes about? it to an attacker and the attacker scores, or gets pressed oh, and gets sorry. the ball taken off his feet. Uh, level of for shit. some reason, my, my my mind just slipped and went to Lakonga, and like the Lakonga thing came in my head, even though oh, we're right. talking about our boy. I don't. I genuinely don't know why that's just happened you stayed in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like um, that's it. Just went wait. What? Yeah. No, yeah. Um, no, yeah, but yeah, so but yeah, I, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's coming, but like, I do think he's got the balls to recover from it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried. And I just think, you, like, even setting up for a free kick, I just feel so much more secure with him in goal. It's mental. Yeah. We've had fucking Jay Leno in there for two years, like three years, and it's, 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 it's mad. It's, it's, it's kind of the reverse of you don't know what you got till it's gone. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't know what you have until you get a new thing. No, that's that's terrible. That's never going to catch on. Um. The third goal, great interception from Smith Rowe. Um, it was a transition game at this point, and Villa were making mad mistakes. For us, yeah. Really. Alba was making Alba what great touch, and he gets a little bit lucky with the shot, but I think it's probably going in anyway. And it's just great to see Martinez concede three in it. It's just, I wouldn't mind Martinez had he not said so much fucking. Oh, had he not just been a wanker? Mm. Oh, I was I never got a chance to ask. I tried so hard. I was I was such a good boy. I ate all of my greens, and no one ever gave me a go. No one told me that they were ever proud of me. My daddy never said he loved me. Uh, and also nice to see Buendia having a poor game because I think at some point that will that will not happen. He's a he's a class act. Um. Anything else on the game? Why? Oh, why Saka playing ninety minutes? That's my only other thought. Yeah, weird. Uh, the only thing that I'd say is we we had a chat about needing kind of like a bit more steel in the midfield, somebody to break up play, play a bit. A bit more, more steel. I think, they never replaced think, Patrick Vieira. That's your problem. They never replaced yeah, him. Never got another ball winner in there. Um, I think we saw. Where were you one. from just now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, mate. I uh, last night, and I'd love to poach him, and that's Douglas Louise, mate. Two tackles, oh, yeah. five interceptions, a block shot, passing-wise, uh, 83%, 42 passes, actually put in two crosses, an accurate long ball, two accurate long balls, sorry. Like, a very good performance from him. And while he picked up a yellow card, I think that somebody that was pre- he was previously at City would know very much the DNA of what we're trying to do. I'd love, I'd love, what a story it would be after they were trying to bid 20 million quid for Smith Rowe. If we just went in and pinched him just for the banter, I'd love it. Yeah, I, I haven't watched enough of him to be fair. I, I mean, he looks good. He looked good last night. He really caught the eye, and I think that he'd be an interesting option. I wonder how he profiles fully statistically, and whether that was just a good game for him. But looks looks all right. Old Douglas. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, are we the only thing we should say? What a fucking goal from <laughs> Jacob Ramsey! Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> It was one of those like, oh fucking hell, that was a like, and it was it was it was kind of against the grain and in a in a away stadium, obviously for them, so it didn't really get the kind of recognition. You know those goals that like the commentators are like, oh yeah, well that's yeah that's gone in. If that that's was a, that's if a that was the other end goal, that would be like all over the all over sky. Um, anything else on the game, Brad? No, 
No, no, no, nothing from me. I think, again, we switched off for the last kind of 15 minutes and that's still worrying me a little, but we at least managed the game maybe a little better, I think. Oh, there's uh, improvements to be made. You're right, mate. I did that. No, I'm going fucking mental. I'm tired. I'm at the end of a six-day work week. We're here. <laughs> I enjoyed it's the moment disgusting. earlier where you told me to shush. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I do love you, Brad. All... Right, uh, we'll see you. It's mutual, mate. It's mutual. After this. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. News and Views! Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and you can support us on Patreon. We get access to episodes of the Instant Reaction, as well as ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month. For one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. Not loads for this week, Brad. It's not been a particularly heavy Arsenal news week, considering we played Monday and Friday. Working Monday and Friday. What a way to pick up four points. Uh, at Lan... Lan... Langelus. 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 Where's he from? Fredericton. Where's that? I ain't got fucking clue. Jay's. Jay's is American, right? Maybe. I'm going to pretend he's American. Brendan. A great performance in high XG in the first half. Feel the team, and especially Saka, still need to work on finishing. He had a real good chance before the penalty to score the all-important second goal and a gaping net to shoot at. Worked out in the end, but we have seen it cost us. Uh, Brendan, um, I apologize for disrespecting you and your family. Uh, But I, I agree with him. Mm. There's there's a li- there's a little bit of wastefulness, um, which I don't just want to constantly be like, oh, we're a young team. Like Saka should score that, and we have said before it's the getting, one thing that he needs is, to work on yeah. is his finishing. And it's getting to a point where it's happening so much that you worry it's not just that we're a young team. You know, as in like yeah. we're not seeing it go in. Uh, and look, that sack the sack it is the thing that he needs to work on and. There is no excuse for him not scoring that. That is the clearest cut opportunity I think we have in the whole game. Like it, it's unbelievably easy. I think it's more difficult to miss. Um, but great, you're talking save. about it's a you're talking exactly. You're talking about not only a, a phenomenal save, but you're also talking about a kid who's played a ridiculous amount of football in the last three months alone. So is not going to be absolutely on top of his game. So I, uh, for me, we've got Leeds next, I think, in the cup, which we're going to be at. And then I don't know who after that. Uh, I think he it's definitely Lester, needs a rest for Lester one away. game, if not two. Because it's it's really going to start hitting him fatigue-wise. 
Yeah, I hope he doesn't go over with England, but he probably will. Um, yeah, I mean, it's he's t- played eight, ma- like eight or nine tough. matches and got like four man of the match awards. Like, of course, Tim- he's going to go away with England. Tim Stillman says, "I don't think coaches care enough about, I care as much about like rest as much as fans do." And I don't really buy that. As in, maybe they do or they don't. But I think short, like there is com- constant conversations about red zones and other teams take their players off when they're at 60 minutes. You know, like th- there is a constant negotiation. Do you remember when Party played that? Um, like, s- did he play? Did he start in the Wimbledon game that we were at at the end? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when he played that to get ready for the North London derby? Like, Mm-hmm. I do. I think that's a constant conversation. So, should, like, I do think it's bizarre considering. I don't. Yeah, I how think maybe they just don't care been. about fatigue because it's not very. I here's the thing: it's not very often you you see managers having a conversation or, or for example, not playing for Mo Salah in the game tomorrow if he like because he's possibly unfit or whatever. I don't think that happens a lot. But I think it, when you have a young talent, it's about safeguarding and making sure that you protect that asset. And I guess also if you're a manager and you were like, yeah, mate, oh, Bakayo's knackered. Honestly, 12 hours sleep he needs. He's, he's knackered. And then you've got a game on the Saturday. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, people are going to target him. Um, the only real thing of new bit of news that I wanted to cover was the... Um, oh, you've gone. You still there? I'm here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. says your video has been disabled due to internet quality issues. Your video is still recorded. This this has been happening to me for you the whole whole episode, mate. Yeah, my uh, my Wi Fi is not great. Uh, 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 I'll test it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it was on the Steve Bruce thing. So mm. Steve Bruce obviously sat by Newcastle this week, um, and came out with a pretty damning statement, basically being like, "I'm not sure I want to come back into management because of the abuse." Um, and Arteta was asked about it. And if you haven't read Bruce's statement, go read that. But I'll read some of the comments from Arteta's statement uh, or comments in the press conference. He said he's managed over 1,000 games and he's telling you with that experience, with that level of expertise he has, that he struggles with that kind of situation, with that kind of abuse. I think we have to reflect. We can't take for granted and accept certain things because they are how they are. No, we are here as well to improve them and change them. We have to think about the fact that one of the most experienced managers in England's history is telling you that. You can't just ignore it. For me, it's a very serious statement and it's something that has to change and has to uh, start to change. Firstly, classy statement from Arteta. And I think part of the reason I am a bit of an Arteta sexual, as you would probably call me, is because I do think he's, he's a classy guy. But more to the point... He does speak well. Like, yeah, For somebody does. who isn't speaking in his native language, he speaks well. Yeah, he does speak well. Um, better than I would speak Spanish. But... Mate, better than I could speak English some days, man. <laughs> Today. <laughs> yeah, fuck uh, me. Um, yeah, on, on the Bruce thing, like, I, I'd love to get your take on it because it it is an interesting one because, like, where does abuse, where does it come from and why does it get directed at certain people? And, you know, not naming any names. For, we've we've, we've, we've had a situation in our personal lives where, you know, someone's taken the hit for something. Um rightly um mm. it, it kind of on balance Absolutely. but you know uh in a, a tutor we used to know and i think 
it's a really difficult one because obviously Newcastle's frustrations aren't just at Steve Bruce. They're projecting their frustrations at at the club, at Mike Ashley, at their situation over the last 15 years at this guy who, yes, isn't isn't playing the best football and probably on balance should have been sacked. But did he deserve that? But then it's like, right. but then it's like I kind of understand why they're bit not abuse. I, you never and you never excuse I abuse. I don't. I don't. Yeah. But you never you never excuse abuse, but but as in like going too far. I can but understand like, the frustrations, but the frustrations I, yeah. I really understand. So it's like my frustrations with the way that the current management has performed. It's like my frustrations with the, with how our owners have performed. No one ever, and I've I've seen um, uh, Brian the True Geordie kind of justify a lot a lot. Of, of the things that were said by saying, you know, well, he was obviously out of his depth and, in you know, when you, and just lots of just shite. Abuse in any way is never okay. And it's never, it's never helpful. What does Mikel Arteta learn or Steve Bruce learn from 30,000 people telling him he shit at his job? At the end of the day, it was not Steve Bruce's fault that he was still in charge of that club. It was Mike Ashley's. No one ever gets the right to take their frustrations out from some other situation, another person, on anyone else. It's not the way the world works. It is unacceptable. And if I did that in my own life and in my own workplace, I would lose my job. And... Just because this feels like a forum and like these people are not real people, they are. Uh, This footballer, I don't think, uh, committed suicide because of abuse. But Gary Speed killed himself. How long is it going to be before a professional in this game either retires from this game due to the abuse or kills themselves because of the abuse? And that is what we have to look at, is even if 50% of the Newcastle fans were venting their frustrations purely on a a frustration-based level and weren't sending abuse and were just saying things on Twitter uh, that he's shit and and 50% were, that is 50% too many and that is up to the other 50% of fans to try and change that. As much as it is, you know, on social media platforms, to try and adjust the way that they're run. So, for example, we've had one of the first jailings for um, racial abuse of, of Marcus Rashford uh, in this country recently um, over Twitter. And more and more steps need to need to be made to protect everyone and to protect people from ridiculous levels of abuse. That does not mean, on the flip side, that you get to be... Um, you get to uh, you get to abstain from criticism, and there is a it's, it's almost the difference between critique and criticism, or critique and abuse. You know, criticize all you want, Steve Bruce's style of play and his his win rate and all of this stuff. You know, 
statistically, when only looking at the elite managers who worked for a thousand games, he is definitely in the bottom part of the people that have worked for a thousand games. But at the end of the at the end of the day, Steve Bruce is an objectively good manager because he's managed for the last twenty years at the top level. He might not be good enough to be at the top level, but he's good enough to be at the bottom of the top level. And let me tell you something: the bottom of the top level is better than. 99.9% of people ever achieve. So there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that goes on that that almost means that people can justify what they do to, to, to these people, to themselves, as if because they earn millions of pounds a year or they are working for a club that you've supported for 30 years and they've only been there for three years, they're allowed to say what they want about you. That's just not how it works. And it, it, it's, I, I, I think he hasn't covered himself in glory either. I think he has acted quite petulantly at points in interviews. And, uh, you know, hasn't, hasn't, yeah, definitely hasn't covered himself in glory. But if you're Steve Bruce in your shoe, in, if you put yourself in his shoes, lifetime Geordie fan, given the opportunity to manage his boyhood, boyhood club, is signed down to a contract that if he leaves by his own doing, he gets paid nothing. And if he gets sacked, he gets paid every, it gets paid 8 million quid. I want every single one of our listeners to ask themselves, what would they have done in his scenario? Because none of you would have quit. None of you. All of you would have stuck around for that payout. And rightly so. If you offer someone a contract and offer someone money and sign them into that, you have to pay that out. That's the way it works. Uh, there's a lot, lot to come back on there. Um, yeah, sorry, I went on a bit. No, no, sorry. <laughs> what, something I want to say, mate, because I don't disagree with your comments on abuse, and I don't want to. I don't want this to come across in any way like I'm excusing someone being like, "You're fucking shit," and like shouting. It's not. Okay. That's never okay, right? The problem is, is people define abuse differently. Yeah. So, it, so like for example. Is is abuse shouting at the manager even though they can't hear you from the stand saying you don't know what you're fucking doing? Is that abuse? Is abuse sending someone I would say I would say it is. Other people would say it isn't. And I can understand them their argument because they say, Well, they can't hear it, I'm just venting my frustrations. And ultimately, as we say a lot, football is an emotional sport. It's an emotional sport and therefore you're gonna feel all different types of anger. It's actually a safe place for a lot of men to experience feelings that they probably can't experience in other locations, um, in familial settings, whatever, or get vents and frustrations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there, there's a reason for that. It doesn't excuse it, but there's a reason for that. And the problem is the line of where critique and criticism and abuse is, is, is very clear up to a certain point. Then there's a bit of blurring. And this blur, I think, is is where we have to step in and you you identify the problem as allies and go. And if we see someone on social media saying awful things about Arteta or or whatever, things that are just completely cross the criticism critique line, we as other fans have to step in and be like, that mate, that like that's not okay to say. Also, no, no matter what your opinion of the manager is, yeah, exactly. My it, opinion of the current manager isn't a good one. But if I see something like that, I'm going to call it out. Yeah, because exactly. No matter what I think, he's still a human being that deserves to be treated as such. Right. But the but the issue is, and I don't know how you solve this, is abuse is woven into the culture of football. 
You mm. don't know what you're fucking doing. Sacked in the morning. These are chants that go like it, it, these things are woven into. And and some people I don't know if that's abuse. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing, bro. Yeah, have, I think that's have the... we have we normalized? Your imagine imagine going up to someone else at another job and telling them they're going to be sacked in the morning. The problem is it's it's kind of woven into the the fabric of football. And there's certain I certain think... things. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. There's certain things that that are allowed and certain things that aren't allowed. Now, I personally would never get involved in a chant like that. Oh, well done me. But but we have to ask ourselves, what do we think of as abuse in football? What do we think of as critique in football? And everyone's going to have a different version of that. Yeah. And there's, I want to be very, very clear, telling someone to go kill themselves because they had a bad football game, fuck you. Like, fuck off. Get, yeah, fuck like, off. Fuck off. Get but like bit. someone, someone for, uh, that's just one example of it. Someone chanting that at a football match. Someone could argue that's abuse, and someone else could argue it isn't. So it's it's re it's a really tricky thing to. I don't think you could argue that any as in about if, if we're saying kill yourself. I don't think there's a grey area there. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I'm not saying there is. I'm saying with with a chant like you don't know what you're fucking doing, or you know, like referee get off the fucking pitch, like that sort of stuff. You can only self police, and you can only look around at the people around you and decide like when to step in. It's it's a, yeah. it's such a complex issue that I think is is often spoken about in maxims of like this is you know all abuse is wrong yes it is but then there's like a bottom percentage of that where some people don't believe certain things are abuse do you know what I mean it's not clear it's like a, there's a grey area yeah like for example I wouldn't think the chant you're getting sacked in the morning is particularly abusive. And also in the sense of, I do think to steal your phrase, it's a bit of a straw man argument to go, oh, if I walked up to somebody in my workplace and said, you're getting sacked in the morning, I earn fucking £10 an hour. And if I get sacked, I don't get an 8 million quid buyout. Steve Bruce does. And I think Mm. that is also where there's a lot of kind of... But people could take that justification that you use... People could take that justification and and excuse other actions. See what I mean? I, I do think that there's a level to what you can justify. As in, you can you can probably justify that you're getting sacked in the morning ch- um, chance or and and bits like that. I think when it becomes personal and less about the job is definitely where it crosses the line in every circumstance. I don't think you could, mate. We as in we we've said things on this podcast like personally about people. It's it's, it's see what I mean. It's woven what, what, into we, football. I, when have, uh, when have we it, said anything person? As in like nothing we've, bad. Said, but I'm sure I've said Mourinho's a cunt. Or do you know what I mean? Like it's woven into football. And and so if we want yeah. to if we want to get this out, we want to get this out of football. We almost have to dismantle the culture of football. Like it's. But I think there's also a massive difference between the targeted abuse that is being spoken about in these interviews and the volatile, abusive nature of football stadiums sometimes. You know, I think that, and I think that's a really important distinction to make. There is a massive difference to 100,000 people sending a notification to Steve Bruce's phone if he's on any fucking social media, I don't know. Calling him a wanker, telling him to kill himself, calling him a fat cunt or whatever and chanting that he's shit in the stadium when they're getting battered and he is out of his depth. I think that it, that's, that, I think that, like you say, the, the 
the stadium area and and this idea of like calling Mourinho a wanker because you know he's acted like a dickhead sometimes is this weird gray area but and that's exactly what I'm talking about yeah it is you you almost have to define and this is what they need to start doing as well with these interviews is coming out and saying sending me messages like defining the abuse for yeah, idiots yeah, yeah, yeah. who can't seem to get it through their thick fucking skulls they need to come out the the pfa um the fa all need to come out and say if you send abusive messages or messages to a private to to a, a personal account of a manager of a player calling them names telling them to kill themselves telling them the, uh, xyz that is abuse. You are targetedly sending them abuse because it it also takes away from pack mentality. Sometimes when you you act differently, when you're around 30,000 other men, pissed off that you're losing, calling the manager shit, then you, and I think the thing that is really important is we have to start cracking down on the side of abuse in the sense that we also don't see. Hmm. Because I think there is a lot of it that gets sent to people like Mikel Arteta, who might be under fire, and Steve Bruce, who has been, that we don't see. Hmm. That and that is where I think you'll have the most impact. Yeah, I as think in that's like, the, the the largest proportion of the of the issue. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe there's some kind of PFA FA stuff to come out saying, you know, a tick list of what is and isn't okay. You know. Yes, it's mm-hmm. okay to be frustrated at your manager in the stadium and shout instructions at them. It's not okay to target their family. You know, it's, it's that. Like, yeah. how, how do we define it? And maybe we need to start being clear about the def- definitions because unless we unless we are, there's some there's some horrible people in this world, mate, and they believe that it's okay to do X, Y, Z, which mm-hmm. you and I and I probably most people listening wouldn't think it is. Yeah. So it's it's a really difficult thing, and and it's it's, it's on the duty of care of social media accounts to start doing things. Yeah, about it social media accounts need to start having registered ids to have an account so th- so that in some way you are culpable for your actions because nobody nobody if if they're fucking if your fucking driving driving license is intrinsically linked to your twitter or to your instagram or to your facebook in a way that only facebook or that lot can see and there's a lot of of difficulties in ever doing that because of like data protection and whatever and they've got all your data already don't worry (laughs) yeah you aren't going to abuse players in the same way that you would because if you get reported and you get caught, they know where you live, they send that data to the police and... Hello? You know, you you get in trouble, whereas it's so easy to hide. I can create four different burner emails and create four different Twitters with no verification and spam whatever abuse through a proxy server I want at any player. Mm. Yep. That's not acceptable. It's the Wild West. Brad, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time I asked you, what colour is the training top? And I'll be specific here. I mean, actually, if you can tell me, the pre-match one and the one they wear at Colney. Oh, uh, light blue, I think, is the... Is that, is that? I've seen them in the light blue one at Colney. That's correct. I would say mint, but yeah. Yeah, fair. And yeah. pre-match? Um, pre-match is like a darker, a darker blue, it's I like think. A, it's like a speckled one. It's like pink yeah. and purple speckles. Oh, that's the pre-match one. No, I'm talking about a different top. I'll admit that I'm wrong. I'm talking about a different top. Oh, 
What a nice guy. Uh, your next question is... Is. Is. And this is... Uh, I don't know exactly how what the answer I want from this, but I but there is a uh, something I noticed today, um, and perhaps this can be incorporated in your answer, Bradley. Uh, the question is, where is Hale End? Where is Hale End? There you go. We're learning, Bradley. We're learning. We are. Right, I'm off to tweet uh, Mikel Arteta that he's a fraud. Uh, what are you doing? Probably going to go tweet uh, Pep Guardiola that he's the most overrated manager of all time. And say he's got less hair than something hairless. Is, 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 are you going to go to sleep? Naked mole, right? I need a fucking coffee, mate. I'm dying. It's, eight, it's half eight. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm not going to get to nine o'clock if I don't. <laughs> oh it's a long one today uh right brad yeah uh pleasure spicy spicy a pleasure as always um as always my friend thanks for listening we've got what have we got oh we've got a we, we're seeing the leeds game midweek so that'd be interesting bosh. um bosh do you know that guy bosh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love him so much he's headed for a heart bosh. attack but I yeah mate him. um fuck it out bosh uh, and then we're playing. We're playing Saturday away, twelve thirty. Oh God, away twelve thirty on BT Sport. Those games are always tough uh, against. Uh, who was that on Sunday? That's no, Saturday. Saturday. Ooh, that'll be tough. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Keep it different. Knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.